Owning a small business can be overwhelming. How can your business stand out and connect with customers? Easy. Get Constant Contact. There's so many places to reach customers. Email, text messages, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, live events. The list goes on. How are you, as the business owner, expected to own all of those channels? That's where Constant Contact comes in to help. With Constant Contact, you'll reach new audiences, grow your customer list, and communicate more effectively to sell more, raise more, and fast-track growth. I use this to grow my email list, and you should too. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. This is the Action Network Podcast. And this one is good. All right, here we go. From the 10, throwing end zone. Spectacular catch. They're saying it's a catch. Touchdown. You see, most gamblers, when they go to gamble, they go to win. Oh, my God. That's incredible. Big bank, small bank, I like to make money. All right. That is the ultimate kibosh. You want to bet? <laughs> and we are underway. Hello and welcome to the Action Network Podcast. I am Brandon Anderson here with Raheem Palmer. We had a heck of a week, a lots of interesting, fun football today to talk about, starting with my double upset special. For those of you that listen to the podcast on a Friday, Saints over the Bucks, Patriots over the Chargers. We'll get back to those. We, of course, finished with my Minnesota Vikings choking like we do to the Dallas Cowboys. Raheem. Your Cowboys came through for you. Are you dreaming big? Dreaming really big. I think this is a Super Bowl contending team. Look, this team is 7-0 against the spread. They continue to outperform the market. And you know when you outperform the market, that says good things about this team. It's rather predictive. So I'm really excited. Good teams win. Great teams cover. So Dallas is winning us a lot of money. Also winning a lot of money, road underdogs, road underdogs under a touchdown entered this week, 30 and 12 against the spread. They're six and two against the spread this week. All six teams that covered one outright. So the Saints, the Patriots, the Cowboys, they've got three more we'll talk about. 72% cover rate, ROI of 65%. So that is a big story right now. Also a big story, the guys who are not a big story, we got Cooper Rush, we got Trevor Simeon, we got Mike White. These guys are just taking all of our money and just taking taking the candy from the kids coming trick-or-treating. They're taking the money from the favorites. It is a wild week. We've got a lot of games to talk through. We'll get to Monday Night Football and the hot read. Of course, odds today are from BetMGM, the official odds provider of the Action Network podcast. So let's dig into that Cowboys-Vikings game a little bit. Cowboys 2016. Kind of an ugly game. I think there were 14 drives of five plays or less. A lot of punts happening. And then we got Cooper to Cooper. Cooper Rush, Amari Cooper taking over for the game-winning drive. What did you take away from this team? Is this more about the Cowboys or more about the Vikings doing the Vikings again? I think it's a little bit of both. When you look at the Cowboys, they outperformed the Vikings offensively. They had more first downs. They had more total plays. They had 419 total yards to the Vikings, 217 yards per play, 6.2 to 4.6. Look, this Vikings team, we say, I say it every week. Mike Zimmer is living in the Stone Ages. Like you're watching the game, and at one point, Kirk Cousins had thrown eight of his 23 attempts behind the line of scrimmage. And when he's thrown beyond 10 yards, he was like four or five for 101 yards and 
a 20.2 yards per attempt with one touchdown. So Mike Zimmer continues to play conservative. He likes to run the ball and establish the run. And you look at the run, the rushing stats. When they ran on early downs, they ran 20 times on early downs. They had a 35% success rate. When they passed on early downs, which they did 29 times, they had a 41% success rate. So this guy's just playing conservative, and you can't play conservative in today's NFL. The Cowboys, even with Cooper Rush, they passed the ball down the field, and that's what won them the game. Yeah, the Vikings run game just has not gotten going this year. As good as Dalvin Cook is, the line is playing a little better. Christian Derrissaw, the first-round pick, is in the lineup and looked good tonight. But it's going to take some time. He's a little better pass blocking anyway. The key of this game for me was third down. Dallas was 7 of 14. That's good, especially with your backup quarterback. They're converting on that game-winning drive. They had a third and long and converted on that little pass to Ezekiel Elliott, who bounced off about four guys and got the big first down and then the touchdown after that. The Vikings one of 13 on third down. That is hideous, especially coming out of the bye week when you're supposed to get your offense in order and get everything going. But it's a lot of third and longs because it's all those early down run plays that are not working, that are burying the team, and they just can't make up and and make up the ground there. So this is the Vikings. You know, Kirk Cousins is now one in 10 against the spread uh, uh, against opponents who are coming off of a bye week. Kirk and Zimmer are 5-14 and 14 against the spread in toss-up games. This is just who the Vikings are. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. I mean, this is, I mean, this is who they are. They, like, when you look at the last two weeks, they played the Detroit Lions. They had a, a double-digit lead against the Lions with five minutes to go, and the Lions ended up taking the lead. They had a double-digit lead in the fourth quarter against the Carolina Panthers and have to go to overtime. So this is a team that never makes it easy. They're way too conservative. And I, I, honestly, I think Mike Zimmer needs to go. They need to take him in and throw him in the bushes, as I always say. <laughs> I think it's coming. It, it may not be tomorrow or by the time that you guys listen to this, but I think it's just a matter of time. I think this is probably the last season. If the Vikings don't make the playoffs, it's hard to see him sticking around. And it is a rough schedule to come still. So Cowboys obviously covered. Uh, they they started the weeks. So this was this was a wild ride. Obviously, we didn't know Dak Prescott was going to be out. Raheem and I both liked the Cowboys in this matchup. We talked about it last week. Cowboys were like one and a half, two, two and a half point favorites. This got all the way to closing at Dallas being a four and a half point underdog. Dallas covered everything. Didn't matter whether you got them early in the week or late in the week. Dallas covered. They won the money line plus 170. That was just one of many underdogs. So let's rewind a little bit to late afternoon. And we got the Super Bowl champion, Tom Brady, and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in New Orleans. And New Orleans took care of business again. This is three times in a row. Tom Brady with the Bucs is 0-3 in the regular season against the Saints. This defense just feels like it has his number. What do you think? Oh, yeah, without a doubt. Tom Brady threw multiple interceptions. And I, I think that was the biggest difference in the game. But then also, like, a lot of it was penalties. Like, the Buccaneers were really undisciplined. They had 11 penalties for 99 yards, second most of this season, and six of them set up the Saints for first downs. Now, I think it was a really rough day for officials on roughing the passing penalties, as we saw in the Vikings game as well. But at some point, you know the rules of the game. You know that you can't hit quarterbacks in certain places, and the, the Bucs kind of beat themselves today. And, you know, for – Jameis Winston to go out there and tear his ACL and Trevor Simeon to come in and step in and still be able to beat this team. I think it says a lot about the Bucs, but also says a lot about the Saints defense. Yeah, the Saints defense came to play. They have just been, the Dennis Allen defense has really matched up well against Tom Brady. 
they're able to get pressure on him. And we know, especially as Brady's gotten older, that's the one thing that we know that he struggles with. Brady got sacked three times. He had two interceptions. The Bucs had three turnovers. Of course, even despite all the things that we're saying, the Saints took the lead by, what, a point or two? The Bucs get the ball back with a couple of minutes left. Every person on the planet knew how that game was ending. Tom was about to drive down the field in a few plays. The Saints managed the clock poorly, and the Bucs had a timeout. They had plenty of time. They're going to go kick the field goal and get the win, just like Tom always does. And then a couple of plays later, Brady throws a pick six. And uh, it, it looked to me, too, like the Saints were baiting him. You know, on the previous play, the safety looked like you should have made a play on it and didn't quite get there. And the very next play, you can see the safety kind of sagging off. And then right as the third release, he just bit on it. And, you know, I don't know. That should have been a pick six. I think he got a little lucky to take it to the house. But the Saints just feel like they know how to play this team. It's a little odd that they're the one team that's figured it out. Well, I mean, I kind of I agree with that, but then I kind of disagree with it because you have to remember that their first game game against Tom Brady in this incarnation of the Buccaneers was the opening day yeah, of true. last season. And obviously Tom didn't have a whole off season with the pandemic. He's just learning the system. Him and Bruce Aarons were still getting it together. I, I just think last year, early on in the season, it was easier to have the Buccaneers number. And then I think with this, this game, sometimes these games take a life of their own. And when you have that many penalties, when you win, when you lose the turnover battle, you're not going to win too many NFL games. And the fact that they were right there, like they, they were down multiple scores and then they came back and made a game. It was 23, 21 at one point. So they had a shot. Yeah. One thing too, that you and I always both pay attention to. So the saints come out in the second half, they go up 23, seven on the first possession. So they're sitting good. The box score a touchdown. You're down 16. There's only one decision here. You go for two. 16 is eight plus eight. We all know this. You go for two. The Bucs kick the extra point. The next touchdown, they kick the extra point. So now it's 23-21. And let's be fair. Maybe you don't make both extra points or both two-point conversions to tie it up. But it is the Bucs. It is Tom Brady and all their red zone weapons. And low-key, I wonder if that actually may have cost them the victory here. Because the score out, you know, eventually later on when they took the lead, they had to try a two-point conversion again. So they lost another point there. And I think that it would have maybe been tied there. And then you don't get quite as aggressive and don't throw that pick six. And you have to like your chances. It's still Tom Brady against Trevor Simeon. So, yeah, I, it, it seemed like a mismanaged spot. What do you think about now the Saints or the Bucks long-term? Are you getting a little worried about Tampa Bay? I don't think you can get worried about Tampa Bay. I think, if anything, they're going to be better because they're going to get some of those corners back. So I think that's that's going to help this team. Obviously, the offense is still rolling. They have a ton of weapons. I, I think Tampa Bay is fine. I'm more worried about the Saints because, obviously, Taysom Hill is still out with a concussion. Trevor Simeon is not the answer. Like, And I'm, I'm, I'll put that out to you right now. He's only 13 and 12 as a starter. And, you know, with a full week of, of teams preparing for this guy, he's not going to be able to do anything. I mean, he played turnover free ball against the Buccaneers, but do you expect Trevor Simeon to go out there and, and not turn the ball over? I just don't see it. But but do you think Taysom Hill is the answer? Like, is that that's really you to rather have Hill than Simeon? The one thing about Hill is that he adds another element. He he is from that Lamar Jackson, Tim Tebow type. Okay, hold on, hold on. Tim Tebow, Lamar Jackson. Let's not put I know, those look, together. Okay, He's from I, the Tim Tebow era, that's the problem. Can you throw it all? Uh, I, I think, I mean, we saw last year. 
what's going to happen is that this team is going to have to rely on their defense and yeah. they, they're going to have to run the ball and he's going to have to make just enough plays. And we, we've seen in the NFL, if you could play defense, you could run the ball and you have a quarterback who can make just enough plays. You can win some regular season games and sneak into a playoffs. So I, I think that's, that's capable of happening. But Trevor Simeon, he's not a guy who can make plays for the most part. Yeah, I think that that's fair. Definitely Taysom Hill is going to get used a lot in short yardage and, in, in, you know, third downs and red zone and all those areas. And at the end of the day, I guess if if the quarterback that you know is the better option where it matters most on those key downs and in the red zone, probably that's just your quarterback. So we'll see when he gets healthy. It does look like Jameis is probably out. I thought that this might be a good buy low spot for Tampa. They head into the bye week now. Coming out of the bye, they're, they're fine. They're smooth sailing. After the bye, Washington, the Giants, the Colts, and the Falcons, they're going to be fine. I thought it might be a good buy low, but I checked the books. They're too smart. They haven't really moved at all off of this. So the Bucs are still the, the big NFC favorites. They're still second favorite in the Super Bowl. But we'll see. Maybe next week on the bye week, maybe people forget about them a little bit more. I'm still keeping an eye out on the division. The Saints are only half game back now because they've played one less. And really, once they win that one, they're half game ahead because they have the tie break. But I like the Bucs division. I like the one seed odds potentially. Super Bowl odds, Tom Brady, four touchdowns again for the fifth time this season. Still my MVP, even with that pick six. So I'm looking for some buy low chances here. I'm not really seeing the odds great on it yet, though. Uh, Let's go to the other late afternoon game. So New England and the Chargers, similar again, another four-point underdog, another cover and money line winner. So the Patriots, plus 165 winners, 27-24, I don't really think it was as close to the final score. Look, you know, the Patriots were one and four in the red zone. They kicked a lot of field goals. Chargers had a touchdown with like 40 seconds left. This was more like 31-17. This was a dominant win, I think. I'm pretty impressed with the Patriots here. What did you think? I was very impressed with the Patriots. I I did feel like the Patriots, like when I was watching the first quarter and the first half, I felt like this was going to be a dominant Chargers win because it looked like the Patriots had been making a lot of mistakes, holding penalties, ball security, just. It, they just looked out of it. And then at some point they were able to just go out there and flummox Justin Herbert. And this is the second year in a row where they made him look like mediocre or bad. Like last year, obviously these two teams played Chargers got blown out 45 zero, but Adrian Phillips was huge. He like, he had, you, you know, the, the interception and in, pretty much in the game. Um, so it, it's just, and I'm, I'm really impressed with Matt Jones. Like, Matt Jones has just shown that he can make enough plays. And I think going forward, you kind of got to look at this Patriots team as a playoff team. Now, when it comes to the Chargers, they got injuries in the secondary. I, I think I'm a little scared for them. What do you think about the Chargers going forward? Yeah, there's it's a little worrying because don't forget, they're coming off the bye week on this one. And before the bye week was when they got smashed by the Ravens. So you have to figure – Okay, well, that's a tough loss, but you go into the bye week focused. We've talked all season about like the Chargers have got to get their first and second down game going. They've got to convert earlier, and it didn't happen. Their offense, like what do they do during the bye week? The, the offense didn't get much better. They Suddenly on third down, they couldn't convert only four of 12 on third down. We knew that regression was coming. Herbert had two interceptions. That one that was a pick six late uh, was uh, Jared Cook just didn't know the ball was coming, just – guys on not the same page. You just had two weeks to get on the same page. Like what, what's happening here? So 
I am getting a little concerned. The charges are four and three, but that AFC is really getting congested in the middle now. So yeah, I, I'm concerned. I also, this is what I thought was going to come of this game. I said the Patriots might run 40 times on this run defense. The Patriots ran 39 times for 141 yards. They just control the clock, limit the offense. This is Bill Belichick against these great offenses. And you know, we, we said early in the season, do these Belichick trends hold? W- when has he ever done it without Tom? I feel like he's got to have earned some respect from you now. Has he earned a little respect? He's oh, yeah. He's, I, like, I made the joke that he might be Jeff, Jeff Fisher without time. He's not <laughs> Jeff Fisher. I mean, like, even like, like you mentioned, the, the, the run game hold on, really hold on. successful. They are four and four. That's pretty Jeff Fisher, you have to admit. Jeff Fisher loves a good eight and eight. Oh, yeah. That, that, I mean, but I mean, you got to look at the fact that Mac Jones is actually improving going through the year. I mean, today they were dominating the run game. They had a 49% success rate. I want to really go back to what you said about the Chargers' early down success because that was supposed to be a, a, a key point of emphasis coming out of the bye week. And I, I read some some quotes from Brandon Staley saying that he was going to try to make sure be, they're, they're going to be more aggressive on early downs. But they had 28 passes on early downs and just had a 36% success rate. So there's something going on with this offense and – it's truly concerning for their chances. It is concerning. And uh, I'll say too, this is a tough one for underbetters. So final score 27, 24 with about two minutes left. We're getting to the two minute warning. It's 24 to 17 Patriots kick a field goal to extend the lead. And then that chargers, you know, we mentioned they had that touchdown with like 40 seconds left. Great grab by Josh Palmer. And it goes over by half a point. So tough one. If you're on the under on this one, uh, but a stat that I saw too that surprised me and surprised me, but didn't. I'm surprised that I haven't heard it before. So we know about Bill Belichick against the rookie quarterbacks. We know that that's dominant. Belichick against first year coaches, 24 and four lifetime, and including Ooh. 4 0 this year, which is all four of their wins. So yeah, Belichick versus Staley. We, we've been, both of us, have been very high in Staley this year. We maybe should have seen this coming a little better. Belichick just knows how to game plan and get his guys ready. You know, so interesting. We didn't see it coming, but the sharp saw it coming because this line actually opened up. I think it was around five and a half, six, and actually closed around four and a half. So there was some, the Patriots took some significant sharp money to push this line down. So it's going to be interesting to see what the sharps do in regards to the Chargers going forward. I know next week they're, they're two and a half point roll favorites against the Philadelphia Eagles. I think you're going to see that go to three. And then when you look at the Patriots next week, obviously they're roll favorites as well. So that's going to be interesting to see what the, how sharps and the public are attacking these teams. All right, let's do another one of these road underdog winners. In the early games, the Tennessee Titans and the Indianapolis Colts, wild game that I I really, in my notes, I feel like both teams deserve to win and lose this game. I I don't know what was, I don't know what the outcome was supposed to be in this game. Carson Wentz looked like old Philadelphia Carson Wentz with two awful, awful interceptions at the end of the game that cost the Colts the game, maybe cost the Colts their season. The Titans win 34-31 in overtime. Titans actually opened as favorites, ended up as three-point underdogs. I know we had a ton of money coming in on the Colts. It was a very sharp play this week, and they looked like they had it, and then they didn't have it. The Titans won plus 135 to the money line. Carson Wentz, big trouble. What, what did you think about Carson? He started off the game on fire, and then it, <laughs> it felt like when T.Y. Hilton got hurt, Maybe he had just one less receiving option, and he's he's forcing it in different places, and they kind of stalled out. So it's just, you know, I, I had a joke. I felt like 
Carson Wentz was playing 3D chess with that first interception because if he takes a sack, the game is over on a safety. So I agree. It was actually kind of a smart play because, yeah, because you safety, then you got to kick it off. So you're better off. Hopefully you just get an incomplete or an intentional grounding or something, not the safety. But they were better off that way. It was a smart play. It just worked out horribly for him like it always seems to. Yeah, and it's so funny because even if literally the pick six is the only thing that saved them because if (laughs) if they intercept the ball and just kneel down, the the Colts only had two timeouts left and the Titans could run out the whole clock and kick a field goal. So it was just interesting how that played out. And then it just – it felt like this was the the Colts game to win. And for whatever reason, they they got the ball first in overtime. They stalled out. Then Carson throws the interception. And – you know, they did everything right. They, they slow, slow down Derrick Henry. And I think there's a big conversation about if Derrick Henry is wearing down because he wasn't the same guy today. It's, it's pretty clear that that play action game for the Titans, it's, it's working wonders. They've gone back to it. Obviously, Arthur Smith left in free agency to become the head coach of the Atlanta Falcons. But since they've gone back to this play action game, Tannehill's been on fire. 265 yards, three touchdowns. Even though he threw ten, two interceptions, he made the plays when it counted. AJ, AJ Brown was huge, 155 yards uh, and a touchdown. So I don't know what to make of these quarterbacks. I feel like any outcome could have happened the way this game was going. Both quarterbacks threw three touchdowns, both quarterbacks threw two interceptions. We didn't mention that the interception that uh, Tannehill had when it should have been a backbreaker, the Colts are about to get the ball back in Titans territory. The guy picks it off and then tries to run a little bit and injures himself and fumbles the ball on his way down. The Titans get the ball right back. And I think the very next play, A.J. Brown breaks a long touchdown. So it's literally like a 10 or 14 point swing just on this fluke injury at the worst time possible. Uh, Very strange game. The Titans had 161 penalty yards on 11 penalties. The best play the Colts have run all season long is just throwing it deep and getting past interference. It's like the best thing that they do. They did it last week too in their big win. They just keep chucking it deep and drawing past their appearance. But the way that that goes wrong, we got to overtime. The Colts threw it deep, drew what I thought was a pretty clear pass interference, and then they didn't call it because you're relying on the refs, not the actual play. And then they had to punt it away, and then the, the Titans come down and win. Or No, I mean, uh, went through the interception, and so they got the win after that. So you can't, you, you can't rely on the refs. They're not always going to come through for you. So they came through a lot of the game, and then not when it mattered most here. It's, it's so funny to see it because I thought that was a pass interference in overtime too. And I, I think, I don't know, but they, when you have two chances to win in overtime and then the second one, you only need a field goal, you got to execute. So yeah. it's, it's looking like the Titans have a three game lead in the division and they might've wrapped this thing on up. So it looks like the Colts are playing for the wild card, but I don't know if they can recover at this point. Yeah. It's a, it's a rough spot for them. They really needed this one. Also rough. If you bet on uh, the, the total here, this game was 24-24 with 90 seconds left, and the total was at 51. We end up at 65 because we got we, we go to overtime. We got that pick six. We get the score in overtime. So, yeah, it ended up not being as close as it could have been. But with 90 seconds left, 24-24, you're feeling pretty good. At least you're hoping to maybe get out of there with the field goal and a push there, but not no, no such luck there. All right, let's speed up and do a few lightning round games here. We got some more fun action to get to. The biggest upset of the season so far. Your AFC one seat, Cincinnati Bengals, going down on the road to the New York football Jets. That was an 11 and a half point underdog for the Jets. 
This line was three and a half a week ago. I gave it out as my hot read. I was feeling great. I had such good, I had eight points of closing line value. Somehow I have eight points of closing value on the Bengals and I lose. Somehow I gave up eight points of closing value on the Cowboys and I win. Isn't betting football fun? Oh, really fun. <laughs> yeah, it, it, betting the NFL specifically, it's more fun than anything else because it's just sometimes the clothing line value just doesn't work out for you. So Mike White obviously is the story of the game. Dude makes his first start, 37 of 45, 405 yards and three touchdowns. He's catching the two-point conversion off of the Philly special, which apparently every team just added to their playbook now. He completed his first 10 passes. Honestly, this the Jets barely won here, but they deserved it. They had almost 200 more yards in the Bengals. They ran 24 more plays. They had 13 more minutes time of possession. The three turnovers that they had is all that kept us close. The Jets really dominated here. Oh, they absolutely dominated. Like when you when you actually look at the, what the Jets did, they had a 60% success rate on early downs, 59% success rate, period, 60%, 67% success rate in passing downs. This is an absolute dominant performance. If Mike White doesn't throw two interceptions, which were tipped, like it, it looked like the Bengals were completely out of this game. So for the Bengals to have an 11 point lead in the fourth quarter, that was shocking. But then it was even more shocking to see the Jets actually come back and win this game in, in regulation. These NFL games are just, they take on a life of its own. And it, it, it was a classic letdown spot. And you saw a lot of sharp money all over the Cincinnati Bengals the week after they dominated the Baltimore Ravens. The defense that was able to just shut down Lamar Jackson, they just couldn't shut down this white guy. So <laughs> it's just, it's absolutely hilarious. And it, I think the biggest takeaway from this is that you really have to be concerned with Zach Wilson. Like, I mean, Zach Wilson is not even a competent quarterback at this point. We all know the stats about the Jets' inability to score in first halves, but Mike White was just out there. I mean, he's just throwing the ball all all around the field, and he looked like the better quarterback. He looked like the quarterback who was drafted in the first round. So it's going to be interesting to see what they do going forward. Yeah, they certainly look good. Mike White had himself a day. I In researching, let's be honest, I knew very little about Mike White going to this game. I don't know about you, but I found out that his, <laughs> his last year in college, he led the entire NCAA in yards per play. And that's ahead of like Patrick Mahomes and Trubisky and like that's that draft. And he was number one in the entire NCAA. So the guy obviously knows how to throw the ball. He looks good. Suddenly Thursday night, Jets Colts is looking a little interesting. This was supposed to be for the Colts, just a nice, easy win. All right. We got through the Titans game. Now let's just get a nice, easy one. We got the backup and everything. I don't know. It could be Mike White week. We could get Mike White wins two and five days here if we're not careful. So that the one thing I will, the one thing I will say to that is that I think you do want to tread lightly with that. Like, a lot of times you see these unknown quarterbacks, they come in and they start carving up teams. Look at Taylor Henneke last year. Taylor Henneke was a monster last year when he stepped in for the array of quarterbacks the Washington football team had last year. And you see he, he, he started carving these guys up. But once you get these guys on tape and you're able to prepare for them, you see a different quarterback. So I think there's a reason why the Colts are – 10 and a half point favorites on Thursday. Yeah, certainly. I'm just saying it's not quite the walkover that it probably would have been like, well, let's be fair. If Zach Wilson was starting in this game instead of Mike White, you'd feel great about the Colts. When you oh, yeah, without, without a doubt. Him. Yeah, yeah, without a doubt. But Mike White just adds a little variability. He, he adds he, a little. You know what it is? He's competent. 
Yeah. Which is <laughs> that's, probably that's more than what you can say about Zach Wilson at this yeah. point. And he and he's a rookie. So let's not make the rookie excuse either. This is his first start. So well done to Mike White. All right. We want to hit a stink of the week here. Smell it, smell it, smell it. It's the smell. It's quite pungent. Dude, plug your nose. It stinks. This is your stink of the week. But we got two stink of the weeks, one for me and one for you. So stink of the week for me, I think, is the stink of the year so far. Rams, Texans. So let me set the stage. The Rams destroyed the Texans for most of the game. It's 38 to nothing. We're fast forwarding all the way ahead. It's 38 nothing. The Texans get the ball back 12 minutes left. This line closed at 16.5. So 38 nothing. 16 and a half. We're feeling pretty good about our cover here. We're already stopped paying attention. We're just trying to see if we're going to get the over at 46 and a half. We're probably going to. So Texans get the ball back. Now at this point, Houston with Davis Mills has scored 46 points in 378 minutes. That's a point every eight minutes and there's 12 minutes left. So 38 to one, that's the score that we're trending towards here. Maybe 38 to one and a half. The Texans at this point have recorded 58 yards total the entire game. It's the fourth quarter. It's over. It's not over. Texans second half drives had gone at this point for negative three, negative nine, negative seven, negative five yards. So that's the second half so far. Here we go. 10 plays, 60 yards and a touchdown. Rams go three and out. Texans get the ball back. Touchdown to Brandon Cooks. Hooray for Brandon Cooks against his old team. We're happy for him. It's fine. We're still 38-14. The cover is fine. Texans onside. Texans recover, six plays, 50-yard touchdown. It's fine. It still is 38-20. to 20. All we needed them to do is just kick the extra point. We cover by half point, get out of here. But for no reason, the Texans decide to go for two. Davis Mills runs it in. The Texans lose by 16, cover the 16 and a half. Hopefully you played a little earlier, but if you waited till just before kickoff, you got boned hard on this one. So that is my stink of the week and stink of the year so far. Oh, that was uh, absolutely ugly. Like you could have walked <laughs> away in the third quarter, really the first half and think you had this cover in the bag and for it to completely fall apart in the fourth quarter is just, I, I don't know what to say, but I have a stink of the week as well. It's the Washington football team last week. Look, Last week, they played the Green Bay Packers, sharp money all over the Washington football team, pushed this line down from 10 to 7. They had drives at the Packers 23, 27, 1, 3, and 12, in which they scored zero points. They were 0 for 4 in the red zone with two turnovers. So me being the guy that I am, I like to bet <laughs> on that regressing to the me against the Denver Broncos team, which has been bleeding points. Lo and behold, this week, they start off the game. They get the ball first. They drive it into the green zone. They're at the Denver 30. They go for it on fourth and two. They don't get it. Denver gets the ball. They fumble. Guess what happens? The Washington football team gets the ball back. They go back into the green zone. They miss a field goal. They had six trips into the green zone with no points. They only punt it once. They only punt it once in the game and have 10 points. Look, this offense is a complete mess. Over the last two weeks, they have 13 trips inside the opponent's 30-yard line in the past two games. They have one touchdown, two field goals, three block field goals, and six loss of downs. 
I want to say that maybe they should start taking the points, but they had three block field goals. So they can't take the points. There's no point. <laughs> you literally can't take the points. I, I just, I, I don't know what to do with this team anymore. If you can get into the red zone and the green zone, you can't score. What can you do? Hey, by the way, let's, let's talk about to the kicker. They signed a kicker two weeks ago whose name literally is Blewett. They signed a kicker whose name is Blewett, and he's had three field goals blocked in two weeks. It's ridiculous. I was on Washington, too. We said six and two of the road underdogs. Washington should have been seven and one. They should have won this game. They should have probably won last week or certainly at least covered. I don't know what the, the, the regression monster. I don't know if it's ever coming for Washington. Yeah, it's not coming at all. And that guy, the kicker, he needs Ocho Cinco, his name or something. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's not it's, working for him. It's time <laughs> for a change. If your name is Blewett and you become an NFL kicker, you either don't care at all about names or everything in your life is about redeeming your name. It's one or the other. It's not working for him. You know, it always kills me because there, there's often football players with football names. Like Quentin Jammer was a cornerback. Like <laughs> that's the perfect name for a cornerback. It's just you got to find something. I always <laughs> loved, uh, I think he's hurt right now, but the Saints, the, my favorite kicker before was the Saints signed uh, Will Lutz. And if you wrote it out like in fantasy, you put the little K for kicker. So it said K Lutz. So it just was Klutz. So the Saints had Klutz for the <laughs> kicker. That was my previous, but now I think Blewett has taken the cake, especially because he's Blewett every time he tries a field goal. Oh, All right, man. let's run through the rest of Sunday action and wrap up week eight. I thought the Steelers were going to steal stink of the week too. I thought they had one of the worst calls of the entire season. So it's 3-3 just before the half. They try a fake field goal. Again, take some points. Steelers, you can't score the ball. Take the points. So they snap it direct to the kicker. Chris Boswell, he gets the snap. He rolls out. Let's be fair. He's a little more mobile than Ben Roethlisberger, at least. So at least they got the ball in the hands of someone that can make a play. He throws it to nowhere and gets concussed. So now Pittsburgh has no kicker. They get no points out of it. They kick it off out of bounds later. They can't kick an extra point to tie. They can't try a field goal to take the lead. And I thought Pittsburgh was just trying everything they could to blow this game, but the Browns blew it too. Steelers win 15 to 10, another road underdog winner, plus 185 in the money line there. Justin Fields had his best game as a pro, over 100 yards rushing. Also one of the plays of the year, incredible play by Justin Fields. Botched fourth down. He's got like seven guys on him. Somehow escapes everyone, runs it in for a score to tie it, but it's the Bears, so they miss the extra point and don't tie it. 49ers immediately long touchdown drive, 33-22. They win and cover. No punts, no turnovers, no sacks all game for the Niners. A lot of smart people thought the Lions might finally win this week. A lot of smart people were wrong. The Lions got murdered, 44-6. Rough under. Somehow the Eagles decided to kick a field goal with two minutes left, and we got the over 48, so sorry about that one. Snoozer in Buffalo. The Bills beat the Dolphins 26-11. Kind of a weird push, another weird late one. The Bills score a touchdown with a minute left to go up 15 and for some reason decided to go for two, and they missed it. So we pushed the 15 on either side. So rough beat or lucky beat, depending on what you thought there. Falcons offense did nothing against the Panthers. Raheem, you got me on that one. We were head-to-head on it, and the Falcons no-showed. 213 yards. Another road underdog winner, 19-13 for Carolina. And Jacksonville coming off the bye week, just as inept as ever. In a world where we don't know anything that's happening in the NFL, at least we have the Jacksonville Jaguars. They got carved up by Geno Smith and Alex Collins. 
Gino completed his first 14 passes, almost made a halftime without any completion. On that drive, the Jaguars had back-to-back 12 men on the field penalties coming off of a bye week. Seahawks, 31. The fighting Urban Myers, 7. Think on the board late to avoid the shutout. All right, let's hear a quick word from our sponsor and get to Monday Night Football. The Action Network podcast is proudly presented by BetMGM. And to celebrate the 2021 NFL season, BetMGM is offering a great sign-up offer for our listeners, a $1,000 risk-free first bet. You just open an account at BetMGM and make your first deposit. Then make your first bet. If that bet wins, the money is yours. And if your bet doesn't win, BetMGM will refund you in free bets up to $1,000. It's that simple. To get started, just click on the link in this episode description. BetMGM has been a great podcast partner, and they've got all the best features for NFL betting, like live betting and daily odds boosts. Plus, BetMGM is compatible with our BetSync technology, so when you place a wager at BetMGM, that bet can automatically be tracked in your action app. So open an account today and make your first bet risk-free up to $1,000. Just click on the link in this episode description to get started. Must be 21 or older and physically located in Michigan, New Jersey, Colorado, Indiana, West Virginia, Iowa, Virginia, Tennessee, Nevada, or Pennsylvania. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado and Nevada. 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and West Virginia. 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. 1-800-270-7117 in Michigan. 1-800-889-9789 in Tennessee. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. Or 1-888-532-3500 in Virginia. BetSync not available in Nevada. Thanks so much for listening. Let's get back to the show. All right, Monday night, we are headed to Arrowhead for the Kansas City Chiefs, who we think might still be good. We're not really sure. They are 10-point favorites right now against the New York Giants. The total is at 52. This is a tough one for me, Raheem. What do you make of this line? This is a really, really, really tough one because obviously we know the Kansas City Chiefs, they're the worst defense in the league. Dead last in EPA per play, dead last in success rate. But for me, I tend to like spots like this. I think it says a lot that this team lost by 24 points last week and they're still laying 10 and a half points. So if I had to bet something, I'm inclined to lay the 10 and a half points or the 10 points with the Kansas City Chiefs. We all know this team's not going to score three points this week. The Giants are really in a tough position. So I'd be looking that way. But I think this this is a pass for me. I'm not willing to lay ten and a half points, ten points with the Kansas City Chiefs, even if they have Patrick Mahomes. So I, I I'm sitting this one up. Yeah, I know that you're not a big trends guy. There are a lot of trends that are telling us to be very careful with the Chiefs here. So the Chiefs are two and five against the spread this season. They're currently on a seven game home losing streak against the spread. Uh, that's they're failing to cover by nine point six points during that stretch. They're also on a three-game losing streak against the spread as a double-digit favorite. The last win as a double-digit favorite or the last win in cover as a home team, both of those exactly one year ago today, November 1st, 2020, against the Jets, who were awful and trying to lose games. So the Chiefs just aren't winning in these spots. or They're winning but not covering. Patrick Mahomes, when he's a touchdown or more than a touchdown favorite, only seven and 12 and one against the spread. That's not working well. We know the Daniel Jones thing, 11 and five against the spread on the road. So there are a lot of trends there. I know you're not really a trends guy. Do any of those trends make you nervous at all? 
They kind of do. But I, I mean, I have a trend of my own. Like when you look at teams that lose by 24 or more points, they're 305, 265 and 13. That's around 53.5%, which gives you about a 1% edge. So I do think there's some value in actually backing these teams that lose by 24 or more points. Now, they're going to be tough to stop, and you're not going to hold this team to three points. So you're asking yourself, is Daniel Jones and this Giants team going to be able to keep up? And I'm not sure that's the case. Yeah, I had a similar trend to one that you said. So something I found, teams that lose by 17 or more, so that's the Chiefs, that was last week, mm-hmm. against teams that win by 17 or more, which is the Giants. That's not the way we thought this trend would go on this game. The Giants are coming off the big win against the Panthers. Not really meaningful. Chiefs had the big loss. So in that spot, the teams that lost big are 97 to 60 and four against the spread. So that's a 62% cover rate. And when that team that lost is at home, it goes up to 64% with 25% ROI. So I do, it's hard because if you look at like the last month, I think we're giving the Chiefs offense too much credit. They're only 13th in EPA per play over the last four games. They're 17th in passing EPA. Patrick Mahomes on EPA and CPOE, good quarterback measurement. He's only 16th. So the offense is measuring out as average, but it's the Giants. This is a pretty good get-right spot. Like, I would feel very dumb to talk myself into the Giants based on all these trends, and suddenly it's 21-0, like 10 minutes into the game, Tyreek Hill has two long scores and we're like, oh, right. The Chiefs still have Tyreek and Kelsey and Patrick Mahomes. So that's my, my instinct is similar to yours. I don't love this game. I don't want to play it much. If I had to take a side, I like the Chiefs better. A week ago when we did the hot read, I wanted to take the Chiefs. Uh, the, The line was under 14 and I thought it would get over 14. But then I got thrown off by that ugly Chiefs loss last week. So I wonder now, are we overrating the Chiefs and the line is too high? Or did that weird set of results last week actually bias the field goal of value? Now we're down to like 10 points here when I thought it might be 14 or higher. I think I'm willing to give the Chiefs another chance. It's a home game. It's Monday night. It's Pat Mahomes. It's against the Giants. All the trends and everything. That's nice. What it feels like is just trying to outthink myself to pick against the Chiefs here. So if I had to pick the side, I'm going to play the Chiefs. My question for you is this. So they're 10, 10 and a half right now. Are you going to tease the Chiefs here? Would you like them on a teaser or do they worry you that they might lose? I wouldn't tease the Chiefs just because you're teasing from 10, 10 and a half down to three and a half or three. Like I, when I'm when I'm doing a teaser, I want a team to be able to have to win by less than a field goal. So they, if they can win by a field goal, they're good. Or I want a team that's going to be catching the key number of seven. So this doesn't fit that threshold for me. And I just, it's not a leg that I think is going to hit more than 72.3% of the time, which is what you need to break even on these teachers. So that's something I would personally leave alone. What about as far as longer shots go? So the Giants, I'm seeing plus 365 on the money line at Bet MGM. So in, in my head, I think that's about 22, 23% chance. Do we think there's any chance the Giants get the win here on the road? Is there a, a quarter of a chance, 25% that they get there? I'm going to say no. And one of the reasons why is I don't see the Giants being able to force enough turnovers to be able to win this game. And then obviously you have a Giants offense, which hasn't been great. 
the, the 24 yards per drive. And I honestly, I, I just don't see it. So for me, I, I think I, I gotta be looking chiefs or pass here. I think this yeah. is just the spot. This is their season right here. This is not a chiefs team. That's, that's allowed the coast at this point. They're playing for the playoff lives. They're three and four in a the year. They lose this game. Obviously it's a non-conference game, but if they lose this game. They're in, they're in a, a big trouble and they don't have the easiest schedule because they have, they have the Packers next week and then they have a division game against the Raiders and then the Cowboys after that. So this is a must win game for the Chiefs. Yeah. And I will say this though, as much as we are very down on the chiefs right now and, and they, they deserve it. We should be a little down on them compared to what we thought coming into the year. This was a pretty good Sunday for the Chiefs. You know, the Chargers got the loss. The Titans almost lost. The Bengals got the loss. That AFC, everyone is very congested. And as bad as this season has gone for the Chiefs, you beat the Giants, which you better beat the Giants, but you're back to four and four. You're right in the mix. It's not going to be easy. The defense is getting a little better, I think. I don't think that they're the worst defense in the league now. But for the season, they are. Last few weeks, eh, they're more like pretty bad. Mm-hmm but not historically awful. That's a big step forward. And we know that if you're as good as Mahomes and the Chiefs can be on offense with a pretty bad defense, that's okay. We just can't be historically awful and we can't turn it over in the red zone like twice every game. So there is a chance here that this was this could be kind of a turning point. The Chiefs get a nice easy win here, get things going again. A lot of results went their way this weekend. This could be a spot to buy low on futures if you believe in them. I'm I'm not recommending it because I don't believe in like the Super Bowl future, but the division maybe looks winnable. You know, there is a, there is a path here for the Chiefs to get back in, even as rough as things have gone, just by how things went in the AFC today. What do you think about that angle? I agree with you. I, I, I can definitely see that, especially obviously the Chargers lost. I, I'm still not that high on the Raiders, so I do think there's there's a path in there. And then obviously they still have some division games left, so I'm not even willing to count them out of the division. Yet. So I, I agree with you in that in that aspect. All right, let's get to our Week Nine hot read before we get you out of here. Hot rock, blue seventeen, nice right, ice cream, Jose. I'm going to go first on this one because as we just talked about the Raiders, both of us not really believing in them, I'm going to believe in the Raiders. So the Raiders are two and a half point favorites in New York facing the Giants. We just talked a lot about the Giants. Giants aren't good. The Raiders might not be great. They are possibly, you know, they're the two seed in the AFC right now, thanks to having a night, you know, a nice week for the Raiders too. They sat home on the bye week and watched. While the Chargers lost, watched while one of the teams they're tied with atop the AFC lost in the Bengals. So good week for the Raiders. So the Raiders defense, I think, is pretty underrated. We didn't give them much credit coming into the year, but they've been great. Over the last four weeks, Raiders had top seven overall in EPA on defense and top seven in pass defense. Pass rush has been great all year. I think they're going to give a bad Giants offensive line a ton of trouble Daniel Jones is going to struggle against that pass rush. The Raiders, they started 3-0. They had two ugly losses, but we now know in hindsight, those two ugly losses came during the middle of all that John Gruden mess. Gruden leaves. They win two games since then, and I think it's been their best two wins of the season. Now they had a bye week to kind of be like, okay, so that's all done. Let's move on. And I just think it's disrespectful to make the Raiders under field goal favorite against the Giants 
So I'm grabbing it while we're getting under field goal. I'll still like it after that, but I definitely want to grab the line first. Short favorites coming off a bye week uh, are 51 and 32 against the spread, 61% cover. Road favorites coming off a bye week are 71 and 50 against the spread, 59% favor. You combine them, short road favorites, and it goes to 68%. So I like the Raiders a lot. I think this line is really underrating them here. I'm not mad at that. I'm not mad at it at all. For me, I'm actually going to go with another road team. I'm going to go with the New England Patriots minus two and a half against the Carolina Panthers. They actually may be up to three in some places, but I think you can find a cheap buy to minus two and a half. There's, there's a two and a half at one of the sports books I see right now. This is mainly a fade of P.J. Walker, who could be starting at quarterback next week. I, I don't know if you guys recognize P.J. Walker, but he played in the XX. XFL, that's where he he kind of built his claim to fame and got back into the NFL two seasons ago. But look, Sam Darnold isn't anything to, to write home about. And I've, I've said this before, there's only so long fake thugs can pretend with Sam Darnold. And he came out hot and he, he played the first three games of the season great. And obviously he cooked the Atlanta Falcons today. But he's not a great quarterback. He's 30th in um, football outsiders DVOA. He's 25th in ESPN's QBR. He has seven touchdowns and eight, eight interceptions. So anytime he's not playing a, a piss-poor defense, he's not good. Now, P.J. Walker is a significant downgrade. In limited action this year, he has a negative DVOA of 98.1. And last season, he had just a completion percentage of 57% with five interceptions and one touchdown. So put it blunt, P.J. Walker is not good, and he has to face a Bill Belichick-led defense. Look, the Panthers might as well be playing with one arm tied behind their back. And I have to lay that number at two and a half, three. I think this is really cheap with a, a Patriots team is really playing well. Mac Jones is playing well. So I would bet this up to three. So take the Patriots. Yeah, it's rough when Sam Darnold has been absolutely miserable for a month and he's out and we're like, oh no, their quarterback situation gets worse. So we don't know if Darnold is out yet, but whichever quarterback it is, you got Darnold or P.J. Walker and you got Bill Belichick. Like how many times do we need to keep seeing this sort of thing play out? It's not exactly a rookie, but it's not that much better. So I agree with you. I love the Patriots here, especially if you can get that two and a half number. So I'm going to back you on another one. On Friday, on our look ahead, you took the Texans. I wasn't quite ready to to ride with Houston yet. They're in Miami giving a touchdown right now, full seven. I'm ready to take them. So here's the reason, and it's two words, one name, Terod Taylor. We think he should be back next week. I thought he might be back this week. I thought he might be back last week when I bet Houston plus a a thousand against the Cardinals and then got crushed when Davis Mills couldn't score. This is a play on Terod Taylor. They're just so much better with him. They've scored almost as many points until that garbage time today. They had scored more points with Terod Taylor in one and a half games than they had with Davis Mills in six and a half games. So Houston, the soft spot on the team, especially is the run defense. Miami can't run the ball. They're near the bottom of the league in DVOA rushing. There's a trend here that's pretty massive too. If you get a team week five or later, so once we've really established and their average margin per game is minus 14 or worse. So that's the tight or that's the Texans here. They're obviously in rough shape, minus 15.3 right now. Those teams are getting way underrated in the books. Those teams are 94 and 48 against the spread, 66%. So that's two out of three are covering there. So I like Houston here. If Terod Taylor plays, I think it could be an upset special possibility. We'll see about that. I would make this line maybe closer to four or something with Taylor in the lineup. So I think there's maybe a field goal of value here. 
especially if Taylor does get clear in the lineup. I do think the line will move toward Houston. So you gave this one on Friday. I'm just doubling down. We're both on Houston for the week. Let's go Texans. Oh, yeah. I, you know, I totally agree with you, obviously. Look, this Miami defense, last year they made a living off turnovers. They, they generated the most turnovers, and it just felt like every game you watch it, you had the defense scoring. But that hasn't been the case this year. They're 23rd in success rate defensively. They're 28th in EPA per play on defense. This defense can't stop anybody. And I'm going to be honest with you, as much as I want Tyrod Taylor to play, I think there might be some value with the seven, even if Davis Mills plays, because it's not like this Miami offense is that much better. They're 26 in offensive success rate, 27 for EPA play. So I think the the Texans, they have a veteran team. They're going to find some success no matter who's quarterbacking out there. Obviously, I hope to see Tyrod Taylor, but I think you need to grab that number now because if Tyrod plays, that number's going to drop. So Grab that ASAP. For my second play, I'm actually going to go with the Cleveland Browns. Plus three, play a Cincinnati Bengals team that just gave up 400 yards to Mike White in his first start. And obviously, there's a big letdown spot after coming off against Baltimore. But this Cleveland team, they're playing for their season. And they're slowly starting to get healthy on the offensive line. The skilled players are getting healthy. And I think this is an ideal spot for Cleveland to go out there and possibly win this game outright. The Bengals, they've been solid, but they still have a coach in Zach Teller who isn't the best. I think there's a coaching mismatch between him and, and Stefanski. Big shout out to Hugh Penn. He actually won an Ivy League championship while he was there. So, you know, I'm, I'm rolling with the Browns. I think plus three is a good number. And then, honestly, I want to sprinkle a little something on the money line. Oh, here we go. An upset special. I know you don't play a lot of these Moneyline dogs, but hey, we talked about that trend and the Browns fit the trend well. So that's a good spot for them. I will say this. Kevin Stefanski has yet to ever cover a division game. He's 0-7 against the spread division game. So I can't ride with you yet. I might get there by the end of the week. Maybe that's interesting. He hasn't point. covered a single one, not even as a dog? None of them. He's 0-7 against the spread. So... Wow. I mean, it's, it's, it's not a big sample, so we can't take too much of it, but you never like the goose egg in front of the number there. So I'm not with you yet on the Browns. I might join you later. I just need to research a little bit more. But actually, I I mean, that kind of makes sense because I mean, you got to look who's in a division. Yeah. Lamar Jackson is obviously (laughs) dominant. So they haven't, I don't think they even beaten the Ravens. So, I mean, the Ravens beat them twice last year. Steelers have owned them. And then they probably were favorite, big favorites against the, the Bengals. So I don't know how many spots you'll see where the Browns were actually three-point dogs against the Bengals. So <laughs> that's true. Yeah. And I do like that the Browns are getting healthy. You know, that if it's been a mess for the first half of the year, but it does seem like they're this could be the spot, you know. This week, I liked Pittsburgh. They're another team I loved on the underdog, and they came through. This was a spot where I thought Pittsburgh could maybe try to save their season and and get back in the mix a little bit as they were getting healthy. It might be the Browns' turn now. So I I won't be surprised if I join you here uh, once I look into a little bit more. It does seem like, especially division game, three points on the road, we're seeing these road dogs. So I may get there. I'm already almost there on this conversation right now. So oh, yeah, this, this will definitely be a part of one of my teasers this week. I, I love teasing them through the key numbers of seven. I think this is a, a slam teaser spot for me right now. That is going to wrap it up today at the Action Network podcast. Please rate, subscribe, and review. Stucky and Ray Bond, Wednesday night, they'll be back with their NFL six-pack betting. And Raheem and I are back Friday for usual run through the slate and the look ahead. 
Maureen Palmer. I'm Brandon Anderson, and this has been the Action Network Podcast. We are on to week nine. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.